I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend. Anybody ready to celebrate? Come on. As we celebrate our, our independence uh, this weekend, we also get to celebrate the freedom that Jesus has won for us. Amen? Are you glad that Jesus has set you free? Come on, Jesus has transformed me and set me free, given me new life in him, and uh, I celebrate that every day. He's a good God. Come on. <clears throat> Speaking of time off, um, Renee and I are about to go on a month-long sabbatical. And uh, thank you. We've, we, were, we were sent from Reading five years ago to plant uh, Bethel Austin. We did a, a soft launch here and then uh, the church going. September will be four years ago when we launched the church. And, uh, and uh, we, we got wisdom and insight from our fathers and those that have gone before us. And one of the things that they highly recommended is prescribed rests or sabbaticals, uh, time off. So we have that written in and, and the time is uh, upon us. So we are, we are going to be uh, gone for the month of July. We're going to Yellowstone as a family for part of that, and we're going to unplug and refresh and recharge in the Lord and uh, come back with great vision and uh, ready to run. So, come on, pray for us. We'll be praying for you, but, but pray for us as we go. Uh, there's a theme stirring in the atmosphere this morning, and the, the declaration during worship uh, that came out through worship was powerful. And the song uh, that, that Dave led us, America the Beautiful, God, shed your grace on thee. And, and I love that it talks about in there, heal all our flaws. And, and God wove in even foresight into the song, knowing that, that, that we're not perfect as people, but we have a perfect God. And that we need to continually cry out for his grace on our land and for God to transform his land to be in his image, for, for this land to look like his land, for to be on earth as it is in heaven. What a, what a beautiful declaration. And, uh, and that's actually what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about taking ground one step at a time. Taking ground for the kingdom of heaven. Anybody want to take ground for Jesus? You know, I'm, I'm particularly fired up to take ground for the kingdom because it's been, if I'm going to be honest, it's been a hard few weeks. There's, a, there's been a lot of opposition, a lot of things going on, health stuff, family stuff, financial stuff. How many people know that when it rains, it pours? But when, but when the enemy shows up, that's not the time to back off or to cower and to hide. That's the time to step up and take more ground. Because the enemy shows up most uh, fiercely right before your breakthrough. 
How many people know that the enemy is not a fan of your increase? of your promotion, of your breakthrough, that, that when you're on the precipice, he gets nervous. He goes, oh no, I have to do whatever I can to thwart that promotion and that increase, but that's not the time to cower. That's the time to kick it into another gear and make the enemy pay. How many people know that part of our position is to crush his head? And that in crushing his head, listen, the head is the source of plans and schemes. <laughs> and we're called to crush the head of the enemy, where his schemes are birthed, where his plans come from, and to cut off the plans of the enemy and to take ground in Jesus' name. So I'm a little bit fired up. <laughs> I'm a, little bit, uh, I'm a little bit ticked off at the enemy, and we're just going to make him pay in Jesus' name. And we're going we're gonna to make him pay this morning and all week long and forevermore in Jesus' name. So let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing on your word. We thank you that it would go forth and it would break the yoke of the enemy. Father, I thank you that your word never returns void, that it would open up the kingdom realms all over our city, over our homes, over our family in Jesus' name and great breakthrough would be released this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. You know, the Bible calls us a kingdom of priests or a royal priesthood. That we've been, that we have been given the priesthood of Jesus, that it's that it's no longer just the priest or the, the man or woman of God or the person with the microphone or the person at the pulpit, that we all are a kingdom of priests. And we have a, a priestly anointing, yes, to come in intercession and intimacy with the Lord, to hear from heaven, to interact with heaven, and to bring those, those riches down for the people. But we also have the assignment to expand the territory for the kingdom, for our God. Thank you, Jesus. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. How many people know that the breakthrough comes in the spirit first and then in the natural? So we're going to go after some spiritual breakthrough this morning. But, I, but I'm like, we need to go on the offensive. We're going on a mission to break some things open in the spirit <laughs> Because what follows is advancement in the natural. Thank you, Jesus. The, but we, we take it both in the spirit and in the natural. You take ground, right? We have, we have big vision in the kingdom of God. We want to see a city transformed. And we are going to work, going after it. We, uh, we just had some numbers put together for the business conference and you know, we've given $64,000 away to other ministries uh, in the city. 
uh, ministries that are, are you know, anti-sex trafficking, uh, foster care system, homeless ministries, people who are doing kingdom work. We've given $64,000 away to that and more to come. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we support missions on just about every continent of the globe. Come on, Jesus. We don't have a missionary in Antarctica yet, but uh, do we have any volunteers? We'll send you right now. <laughs> but we support missions all over the globe. And we've, we've, we've just in a heart to serve our city, we've picked up, uh, oh, I blinked on the number. How many tons of trash we picked up? 2,000 tons of trash or something. Like, a lot, just a heart, a heart to serve our city. We're, we're going after taking territory. And that doesn't, that doesn't even account for all the outreaches that go out. And the people that get born again every week. And, and just families who go out and do life which is where the kingdom really should manifest. People, people uh, ministering to co-workers and seeing lives transformed. People at the grocery store hearing the voice of God and, and ministering out of that grace and seeing people healed and saved and delivered. I mean, radical things happening day in and day out. You know, our, our outreach team see people get born again almost every week. We're talking, we're talking six, eight, 10, 20 people a week getting born again out on the streets. Let's just take a praise break right there. We're taking ground for the kingdom of God. We're gonna, we're gonna start, uh, in Joshua 1, so I want you to open your Bibles there. We're going to uh, talk a little bit before we get there, but open your Bibles to Joshua 1. Now, Joshua 1 is, is the, the story, the people of God being commissioned to go into the promised land. But before that, God delivered his people out of Egypt, out of out of Egypt, and they were meant to go into the promised land directly. And you know the story, this is just paying some backdrop, but they sent in the spies into the land, and only two spies came back with a good report. The other spies came back with a twisted report, a twisted perspective, and what they were seeing is they were seeing only through the natural eye not through God's eyes. And they came back, oh, there's giants in the land and we are grasshoppers in our own sight. And because of this, the people of God ended up uh, wandering in the wilderness. How many people know that's not a good plan? They ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, but that time has come to a close. And in that time, what they have learned is dependence on God. To the point where dependence, where they're like, God, whatever you say, we're ready to do it. And God said, okay, now you're ready to take the promised land. And in Joshua 1, in verse 1, it says this, 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people, uh, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place, here it is, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And verse three is what I want to focus on. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, that, that we have big vision. We want to see a city transformed. Anybody with me? We want to see a region transformed. We want to see a state transformed. We want the righteousness of heaven, just like we sang about. We want to see the grace of God poured out on our homes, our city, our region. We have big vision. But you, but you access big vision one step at a time. How many people know you don't just get transported? translated into the big vision. But listen, that's the Christian dream. And it's the reason why we often miss out on the promises of God. Because we sign up and say, yes, Jesus, okay, I give my life, now transport me to the vision. And we sit here and we twiddle our thumbs, and we go, God, I'm waiting. And God says, I'm waiting. <laughs> We accomplish vision one step at a time. Wherever the sole of your foot treads, that, that word tread there means this in the Hebrews. It means step, it means trod, it means march. It's also a homonym and it also can mean to bend the bow, which that's unique. <laughs> to step, to tread, to march, those all make sense, right? But then to bend the bow. But what it actually conveys is intentional movement. That you are intentionally taking a step. How many people know you don't, you don't come into the promised land haphazardly? On accident. You don't stumble into the promised land. Listen, you, you're stumbling around. You're technically taking steps, but that's not the type of steps that give you the land intentional steps in partnership with God that move you towards the vision that where, that where you step or tread or march, but then it can also mean to bend the bow. Now, what does that mean? That means intentional movement that actually creates greater movement. Movement that creates greater movement. How many people know that breakthrough creates more breakthrough? How many people have ever done anything challenging in your life? 40% of the room. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm preaching this message this morning. <laughs> that, that anything challenging you've done in life, the hardest step is what? The first step. 
Then the second one becomes easier and the third easier still and so on because momentum creates more momentum. Little, you take ground in victory one step, one small step at a time. That I, uh, I told this, this, I relayed this joke that Pastor Bill says um, the other week. But he says this, he, said, he tells this joke. There is a mouse riding on an elephant as they're crossing a rope bridge. And they get to the other side of the bridge and the mouse says to the elephant, wow, we sure shook that bridge. <laughs> now it's funny, but the, the reality is, is that in that scenario, right, we're not the elephant, we're the mouse. But we ride on an elephant or we walk with someone who's greater than we are and his name is Jesus. And that when we show up on the scene intentionally, things shake. The ground trembles. <laughs> and though we might be the mouse in the scenario, Jesus is the elephant and we step and the ground reverberates not from our weight, but his. Now, the spies who went into the land, the ones who saw out of the natural, the sin in that scenario was that they saw themselves, they ascribed to themselves, they were grasshoppers in their own sight. And therefore the task now seemed impossible. Listen, the problem wasn't that there were giants. How many people know that we're called to be giant killers? That that is the assignment. <laughs> God wasn't surprised that there were giants like, oh, there's giants there. Oh, no, let's come up with a plan B. No, he was sending them intentionally to the giants. The problem wasn't the giants. The problem was that they saw themselves as grasshoppers before the giants. But Caleb and Joshua saw from God's perspective. They saw the fruit of the land that was available in Zechariah 4, it says this, in verse 6, Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. That's the promise. It's talking about Zerubbabel restoring the temple. But that, the first part is the promise. The next part is the process. Verse eight, then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one, that's a big name to say over and over, is the one who laid the foundation of the temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's army has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Listen, you take territory one step at a time. One step, one small step intentionally in the direction of your giants. Yeah. 
Someone say, I'm called to take giants. <laughs> One small step in the direction of your giants and the Lord rejoices. Listen, we think that God rejoices after we've built him a temple. When the work's finished and we're all done and it's pretty and shiny and beautiful. And, and then we go, God, did I do good? And we think he's rejoicing then. No, God rejoices when the work begins. When you take the first small step. And in fact, he says, don't despise the small beginnings. I'm rejoicing because I know the first step is the hardest. And once you do that, breakthrough has already come. Come on, what if we get in a habit of taking the first step and learning to rejoice with the Lord in that? Ooh, the victory is at hand. In order to move towards the promise, you need to be able to see the promise. Thank you, Jesus. But this is not natural sight, this is heavenly sight natural sight sees giants and sees grasshoppers spiritual sight is so locked on the promise that the giants begin to look like grasshoppers can I say that again spiritual sight is so locked on the promise that the giants begin to look like grasshoppers that you, you've heard this phrase impossibilities begin to look Possible. Impossibil taking down impossibilities become normal when we're locked on heaven's sight. Thank you, Jesus. In 1 Kings 18, chapter 18, turn there, I want you to see this with me. It's a story that most of us are familiar with. In 1 Kings 18, it, the backdrop, it's Elijah, the prophet, and he, is, he battles the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and whew, what a victory that was. But the land is also in a severe drought because of the decree of the Lord that came through him. But after, the, after he wins the, the battle with the prophets of Baal on Carmel, the next thing that happens is this. Uh, in 1 Kings 18, verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the summit of Carmel, bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he said to his servant. So his servant went and looked and he said, there is nothing. Seven times Elijah said, go back. On the seventh time, the servant reported, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah replied, go and tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. <laughs> Come on, this is, this is an incredible story. They're in the middle of a multi-year drought, but Elijah hears from heaven. Remember we started, we are what? A kingdom of priests, which means we are supposed to hear from heaven. 
And that Elijah hears from heaven, he hears the sound of rain. I mean, oftentimes we're waiting for the floods, but God is releasing us the whisper, the promise, and he's waiting for us to act upon the promise. And he doesn't, he doesn't feel rain on him. He doesn't see puddles around him. He hears the sound of rain and he makes the decree. Go and tell him to eat and drink. And then something powerful happens. Elijah climbed the summit of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he told his servant to go and look. And the servant came back with this report. There is nothing. Now this is a powerful, pivotal moment in the story. How many people have ever got a promise from God and you took the first step, but, the, but in the natural, the report is there's nothing happening. It's about to get real right now. You hear the whisper. You hear the like, I think I heard God's voice. God, is that you? I'm gonna take a step. You, heard, you hear the promise and you move and... Nothing, and then, and then people around you, you move again, and people are saying, what are you doing? Nothing's happening. You didn't hear from the Lord. And at that moment, we have a choice to get discouraged or to lock further onto the promise. Now, Elijah bent down. He put his head between his knees, but this is, this is unique imagery because, because uh, in Jewish tradition, men would wear something called a tallit. It's that rectangle cloth. I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. It has the, the, the tassels on the corners, which are also called wings. And the wings specifically are to remind the people of God of the promises and statutes of the Lord. Those hang on what is called the borders or the edges, or the wings, and when it says Jesus, when it says the Son of Man, Malachi, will arise with healing in his wings. It's not an eagle. It's pulling on the Jewish principle that those tallits that remind them of the ways and statutes, the, it's the borders of the ways and statutes of God. Inside of that, there's healing. But that tallit is also called a mantle, and it's the prayer shawl. And they would, they would take their prayer shawl and anywhere that, that, that a Jewish man would go, they could pull their prayer shawl over their head. They would bend down and they would pull the prayer shawl over their head and that was called their secret place. <laughs> and they, could, they would take the secret place wherever they went. They wore it all the time. And anywhere they were, they could be in the market, they could be in the shops, they could be anywhere, and they could bend down and pull the prayer cloth over, and now they're in the secret place, just them and God. When you go into your room, Matthew 6, close the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Thank you, Jesus. And so what is Elijah doing? He's not cowering. He's not, he's not being an ostrich. He's going into his secret place. Because what's happening? There's the natural reality and there's the spiritual reality. And he heard in the spirit 
the promise and he locked hold of it and he told his servant, go and see, go and check. And his servant came back with a natural report. There's nothing. So Elijah was confronted with the reality. I either agree with that or I agree with, with what I've already heard. And he said, I'm going back to my secret place where the only thing I see in here is rain. And I stay there until I'm locked on, until I'm so convinced, I'm overwhelmed with this reality. It's here. It's real. Go again and look. But here's the challenge. He goes again and looks and he comes back. Still nothing. So does Elijah give up? No. What's he do? Back to the secret place until all he can see, until all he can hear is the promise of heaven, the sound of rain. There it is. It's more, this is more real than what's out there. And at that moment, he goes, go and look again. Still nothing. He doesn't give up. He does it again seven times. But here's something crazy. The, the breakthrough at the end isn't torrential, it doesn't start with torrential rain. It starts with a cloud the size of a man's fist <laughs> rising up out of the sea. What does the sea represent? Listen, if you're praying for a cloud, the sea represents endless resource. Moisture. <sighs> But you have to be able to see it in secret. That has to become more real. And it doesn't start with a torrential rain. It starts with a cloud the size of a man's fist. And he says, that's all I need to anchor my faith to it. Go and tell him to run before the rain stops him. <laughs> he saw a cloud the size of... How many of us are so locked on to God's vision that all we need to do is see a cloud and that's enough faith to go, you better hurry up because the downpour is about to stop your journey if you don't go now. Listen, a cloud, it's still scorching hot and dry and parched when he makes that declaration. Whew. I'm getting myself stirred up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Breakthrough happens one step at a time. One candle can light a thousand and illuminate your destination, but you must light the first candle or take the first step. Thank you, Jesus. Elef <laughs> Elephant. This, in, this, in this message, the elephant, it wouldn't be an elephant and a mouse, it'd be an elephant and a grasshopper. <laughs> and listen, this, there's giants in the land and the reality is that, that we have to, we are giants in God, but we're giants in God because he's with us. And so the joke would be a grasshopper riding on an elephant. But in that scenario, guess who wins? Hudson Taylor, the great uh, missionary to China, says this, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. <laughs> reckoned. 
He must have been from Texas. <laughs> One more time. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. <laughs> we love you, God. Thank you, Father. The, uh, the book, James Clear in the book, uh, Atomic Habit says this, all big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. He also says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. But as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. <laughs> Can I read that last one again? But as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. So good. Uh, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua 3, that in Joshua 1, we read about, we read about the commission for, from God sending them into the promise, which was the restoration of the promise that was delayed or thwarted from the beginning when they first came out of Egypt, they were supposed to go directly into the promised land. A few days walk into the promised land, they would have been there but they had this misconception that they were grasshoppers and that they were alone in the fight. And that sin took them into the wilderness. Is anybody ready to come out of the wilderness? And so God gives them the commission in Joshua 1, but in Joshua 3, it's actually happening. This is the story of it happening and starting in verse 14. It says, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and here it is, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream, stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeretan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel, someone say all Israel, crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. And it goes on to say that as the people crossed over and the priests are there in the middle on dry ground carrying the ark, what does the ark represent? The presence of God. But as we started with, we are what? A kingdom of priests. Someone say kingdom of priests. It's not just the people up on the platform. 
It's not like, oh, I'm waiting for them to carry the ark into the water. Now God's saying, I'm waiting for my people to pick up their identity and know who they are in me, that they carry the presence of God, that they have access to me beyond the veil, that we are the priests <laughs> together. And it said this, <laughs> it didn't even say when they stepped, it said when they dipped their foot in. <laughs> But also says something interesting. They dip their foot into a flood. Because at the time of harvest, it's overflowing. God tells the, Jesus tells the disciples not to pray for the harvest, but to pray for the laborers. Because the fields are white for harvest. It's time to dip into the harvest, but it also represents a flood that, that as I started at the beginning, in times of difficulty, when it rains, it pours. And when the enemy is coming in like a flood, it's not the time to retreat. <laughs> Listen, He's God. He could have had them cross over at any season he wanted to. He chose the flood. <laughs> he chose the flood. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but God isn't afraid of difficult situations. And in fact, he will often use difficult situations because it's our opportunity to recognize if we think that we are alone or if we're riding on an elephant named Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. As they, and as they stepped their foot in, what is that? It's intentional. It's to step, it's to march. It's to bend the bow. Intentional momentum that by design creates more momentum. That creates release. They stepped in and the waters piled up and then all of the people crossed on dry ground. And it goes on to say that then after all the people crossed, the priests crossed. And as the last priest took his foot out, the waters started to flow again. Who are the priests? We are. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Anybody ready to take some territory? <laughs> come on. Can I have someone come up on the keys for me? We're going to take some territory right now. Because I'm, I'm mad at the devil. We're just going to kick him around in Jesus' name. Come on, we're gonna we're gonna shake the bridge. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Do you know I feel like God is stirring up a people of prayer. God is stirring up a people of prayer who won't let go of the promise. A people of prayer of tenacity, a people of prayer who don't who don't shrink back at challenge, a people of prayer who don't, who don't run when it's a flood, but they look at the flood and go, oh, it must be harvest time. <laughs> 
A people, when they see the flood, they go, great, gather the ark, it's time to step in. But the natural, and the natural people go, it's a flood. What are you doing? Run the other direction. Go to high ground, go to safety. The natural tells you to run from the flood. But the people of God say, oh, it's our opportunity to take new ground. It's our opportunity to step into promise. Come on. I'm praying that a spirit of intercession comes on us. We sing that America the beautiful and we took communion as intercession over our land. Anybody want to take new ground? Like ready to take new ground. Ready to step further into the promise. Come on. I want you to, if you want to take new ground, I want you to stand to your feet. The priests of the Lord, stand to your feet. And we're going to pray this morning. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.